Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Delighted to be sitting opposite Mark Bonner for the first time since a live show about 18 months ago where you joined us with Jed Wallace and David Prutton at the Leicester Square Theatre on the same night as the Top Gun premiere. That's right. Everyone thought that Tom Cruise was the biggest stub in Soho that night, but it was actually... Jed Wallace. Ali Maxwell. Yeah, (laughs) Mark, delighted to have you here. How are you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to our discussion. Good, yeah. Well, this is going to be the first of a two-parter. We'll get straight into it because we've got loads to get through. You know, it's been just under two months uh, since you parted company with Cambridge after an amazing spell there. How have you been? What have you been up to since uh, since leaving? Yeah, I'm really enjoying the break. I've um, obviously got to enjoy Christmas and New Year in a way that I haven't for quite a while, which is uh, nice. I'm sure anyone that loses the job at the, that sort of time gets to have you know that period of time without any thought about football, which is quite nice. How many more pigs and blankets did you have on yeah, Christmas Day? Yeah, a lot, a lot, um, and and the surrounding days. So uh, I've got to sort that out now. But um, yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been good fun. I, I think what's also been great is in the last few weeks, going to watch a, a lot of games at various levels from all four of the top divisions, and I'm beginning to and have spent some time in a few different clubs with other managers and and, and other coaches, which is an excellent thing to be able to do. Something that you're never able to do, obviously, when you're doing the job because it just consumes you all the time how much do you learn when you go and see another manager working you go into a club and you see the environments elsewhere like do you feel like you come out of it with a different perspective or is it just like handy to go out and be able to see how other people work yeah I think it'd be really arrogant to say don't learn anything because um, <laughs> there's certainly different ways of doing things and 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 some things I think you look at and think I'm, I'm, I'm nabbing that because all the best coaches are thieves um, and you've and you got to frame it in your own way and make it fit your club and, and your team but and your style but certainly I think there'll be lots that I can learn from other people along the way and, and have already picked some really good things up some of which will be relevant some of which will probably be impossible depending on the level that you're working at but but it's great and, and I've been able to spend time at clubs with various resources and, and, and different leagues which gives you an insight into a little bit of everything um, and it's something that I'm actually really enjoying and um, certainly in no rush to to jump into the wrong job I'd rather walk into the right one assuming um, and hoping that I get an opportunity to do so but when the time comes around I'll I'll be better for the experience of Cambridge I'm certainly better now than I was when I started and and hopefully I can uh, make a difference wherever that is and whenever that is next. Going back to the end of November when you did lose the job like it it always makes me feel 
uncomfortable when you see some of the kind of vitriol that is aimed at managers when fan bases want them to, to lose their job. I think in your situation where your affinity with the club, not just as a manager, but prior to that as a fan and someone who worked there for a long time meant that there was a a mutual respect that was afforded to you by most Cambridge fans that maybe some managers don't get to experience. But having been under pressure last season, having been under pressure this season, what was the actual day like when you found out that actually this was it? You were no longer manager of, of Cambridge United. Yeah, well, we just lost a game at home. So uh, it was our third defeat on the bounce. So that was um, never never a good feeling when you lose games. Um, so yeah, it was it was at the end of the night before, um, b- before I left the stadium. So um, other than just understanding that that was it. I probably thought it was going to be it that night. It was uh, pretty clear to me that it was probably coming to a close. So um, it wasn't a surprise, but obviously it's disappointing. Um, I had a very quick turnaround because I was catching a train at eight o'clock in the morning with my dad to London to go and visit the Houses of Parliament. So um, <laughs> that was an excellent day out, even though he did, did ask did he me whether going? I wanted to cancel it. Yeah, but I, yeah. uh, it was actually quite nice. Turn the phone off and, and crack on. So um, look, one thing I'm... I'm quite good at doing is closing on something quite quickly so um, I was home by midnight and back at the training ground by half four to empty the desk empty the office clear out put all my stuff back before anyone arrived and uh, that's it it ends really really quickly and obviously you speak to I've spoken to everybody in in the club since but you have to move on very very fast because football doesn't stand still so it's important to get out the way for everybody there to crack on and do the job and win the game at the weekend Um, but it's also important for you to for me to just sort of drive out for the last time and go right that's that done what's next and then over the coming weeks that reflection on um, what went well what could do better what would do differently and and so on is, is obviously the, the process that you go through so um, yeah it was my first experience of of that and and probably and in, in a way hopefully won't be my last because I hope I have uh, 30 good years of work left in me and sometimes it ends that's that's how the game is um, so yeah disappointing for it to end but in in lots of ways whilst I could probably point to one or two things that would have been better could have done better might have helped us more and all those things what I'm certainly, would be those things? What would you certainly not bitter about, about it um, look, I think there's loads of things some of some of them I think you can talk out loud about and some are really personal that you just think oh, I'll save that for next time and some are very specific to the moment that you're in and the club that you're in so I don't think every lesson that you learn you can just pick up and put into place somewhere else because no two situations are the same but there's certainly moments where you, you think about certain games I mean, you could send yourself mad reviewing every day and every game and um, the reality football management is you have hundreds of decisions to make a day you have to live very comfortably somehow in the the fact that you're going to make lots of wrong ones and that actually you can make lots of right ones and still lose because football can be random and variable at times but in the end like if I, if I look back at my three and a half years in the in the head coach's role and my previous time before that um, I'd say there's lots that I've learned from it but overall it was a a first time of doing it, 201 games, and, and certainly left the place um, better than I found it. So I see it as a really successful period um, and one that I'm really looking forward to taking the learnings from and putting them into place somewhere else. At the beginning of every season, Ali and I do our 1-24s and cards on the table. I was pretty negative about Cambridge United's chances this season nothing because of you I can promise you you can go back and listen if you want I did it it was more to do with when you considered the players that you'd lost so whether it was Dimitar Mitov Jones uh, Smith Nibs like you had basically the spine of your team gutted and without much coming in the way of transfer fees to 
you know, replenish the squad with the quality needed to, to do so. And yes, a lot of players came in and I was sat behind the goal on opening day watching my beloved Oxford be battered and bruised by it. And you, you beat us 2-0 and were, were fully justified in doing so. And the season started really well in your first six league games. You know, you won four of them, which culminated in a 1-0 win against Reading live on Sky. And I think you were top of the league after that or, or, or near enough top. Do, do you think that, you know, the, the difficult summer with in terms of losing players and then the very good start was a recipe that made it difficult for you to live up to expectations. Do you think the expectations in the minds of the fans changed because that good start? Or do you think that, that didn't really make too much? Because it's something that I always think. I'm always, I always wonder if managers can end up being the victims of their own success after like a good, uh, a short good run. Yeah, I mean, I don't know in terms of changing the mentality of everybody. It didn't ever change ours or mine. I mean, in the four seasons I've, I've done the job, we've started all four seasons really well um, and got off to a really good start. So, I don't think you can ever say that's a bad thing. Whatever happens with expectation happens. Um, One thing that I know is from the very beginning, it was almost just get us through to the end of the season and and keep us in the league where the season got curtailed short and and early. Um, The next season, it was completely smash expectations and get promoted. The next season was completely smash expectations when we were supposed to be the cannon fodder at the bottom. So we've always lived quite comfortably with the recognition or the understanding that no one expects anything from us. And actually, um, to get behind that and become real... Um, underdogs and use that to your power and your spirit was was something we did brilliantly and I think as time changes that that tag becomes a bit boring or overused and you have to try to change the mentality and push towards being something different or better than that Um, and you have to try and do that with a constant change of players and, and often losing your best ones and being unable to potentially replace them like for like or better than so it's really hard when you make huge progress quickly to continue the rate of that that pace when there's less gap between where you're at and the ceiling with the resources that you've currently got and changing that mindset is is quite difficult when you know that the reality is you know the level and the task is constantly to stay in the league I think I think people maybe get bored of that really and and wanting more than that and certainly as a coach you want more than that you want to do better than that and I'm sure everybody in the club does so when you're not it's um people get frustrated by that and I understand that um, but it's also trying to mirror that where you are with what's possible and um, what you've got to play with and that challenge of constantly recruiting new squads and trying to get better every year when we had some really good players over the last four years that have performed at an incredibly high level and gone on to um, bigger and better clubs or just bigger and better contracts whichever way round but um, we were certainly a platform for many to go on and, and do better um, and, and, and certainly got the most out of the resources that we had. I, I, I thought it was a, a, a tough period. But to start as well as we did, obviously it's, it's never easy to maintain that level. And um, yeah, in some respects, maybe you do create a rod for your own back with, with it. But at the same time, I, I never really saw it like that. It was just, if your task is staying the league, you get your points where and when you can. And, and they usually come in little runs or the way I've seen it over certainly the League One, the years, we, we got them in runs of results rather than a real steady flow of consistent performances. And, and that's something that we needed or were working to try to fix. And when you look at last season, and, and I promise we're about to get on the good stuff in a second. When you look at last season, you know, you came under some pressure then because it looked for a time like not only were came a general relegation fight, but it looked like you were likely to go down. Five wins in your last nine games last season, including a win on final day, kept you up in unbelievable circumstances. Were you frustrated that you weren't, having proven that you could do it last season, that you weren't afforded the same opportunity this time around? Or could you understand that 
know, with back-to-back struggles in two in two seasons that the club decided that, you know, because football is cyclical, like that this had come to the end of its cycle. Yeah, well, I don't think it had come to the end of the cycle, and and um, I think the agreed target in the summer was to stay in the league, and I'm absolutely confident they will, and and they would have. Um, so I have no. Uh, doubts in my mind with that whatsoever um, what, what I do think is I understand when you're on a bad run and you've lost heavily in, in a couple of games or certainly local games and you're on the run that we were on there is a f- there was a fear I think understandably that it was just mirroring exactly the same as last season um, and perhaps people thought well we can't get that lucky again and um, so uh, yeah I do I was it lucky well, maybe, yeah. I mean, MK Don's uh, Burton defended incredibly well on the last day of the season. But look, I don't, I don't think winning games is is lucky in the end. I think we um, we earned our luck throughout. Not many teams could have won five of the last nine from the position we were in uh, and stayed in the league. So it was an amazing achievement last season, and it was on board with what we were trying to achieve and and trying to achieve this year. And the way the club grows is to keep doing that. So I, I completely understand why the decision was made, despite disagreeing with it. Obviously, I don't think anyone would expect me to say anything other than that um, but it's understandable when you want to go we, we need to turn a, a, a run round where we haven't won enough games make a change get that impact and, and, and move on from there um, and try and take out as long a stressful period as, as was so yes frustrated I wasn't given more time but probably we bucked a trend last year by giving me more time you know it's very unusual for a team to go through such a bad run and 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 stick with the manager and that I think paid off and was was worthy decision and I would obviously say that but at the same time I, I think what we were really determined to do as a club was show that loyalty matters show that um, if you stick with something and you want to build something long term it is possible to do that but but the owners decided to go a different way so I absolutely respect that and move on knowing that I made a good difference while I was there and we weren't at the end of the cycle I thought there was more in us to to get it to a level that I would be really really comfortable with but I, but I certainly know that the reason the good bits are good is because in small clubs you have probably more funerals than weddings and therefore when the weddings come along they are amazing um, and it is very difficult to create uh, constant and consistent success if your history is in a certain level or if your resources are at a certain level so when those moments come around they have to be cherished it's why they become known as really good eras and moments that you remember and we certainly throughout that period connected with the city in an unbelievable way through the team and through the work that the club have done throughout that whole period um, pretty much doubled attendances you know the, the place is a vastly different place now to what it was three and a half years ago and there's a heck of a lot of people to credit for that and to have known that I played a part in that is um, is, is something I'm really proud of um, and you have to accept that that's the decision everybody else cracks on and um, I wish them well and hope they do well um, and I'll go on and, and do my next thing whenever that comes about and um, be really determined to bring about a similar era or period somewhere else. You lived what is basically every football fan's dream. And I know that you've said that you couldn't be a fan when you were manager because it's too emotional. But you were a season ticket holder at Cambridge United growing up. You rose the ranks in, in loads of different job roles at the club before becoming manager. How proud are you now that when you look back at that piece of work and you mentioned there, like you have played individually a massive part in improving the short term and long term fortunes of the club you supported as a boy. That's got to be something you can feel incredibly proud of. Yeah, I don't know if I'm there yet. I mean, I am. I am proud of it, but I'm more disappointed that it's not continued 
then I am proud of what we did because I'm very much a person that, that isn't for too much looking back and celebrating rather than, you know, look forward, what's next, what's the next thing we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And I, I genuinely believe that the best moments haven't happened yet there. So I think there's more to come and that's why I'd have loved to have fulfilled those. But at the same time, there's certainly an element of pride for the progress that we made. Um, I think it's for other people to celebrate it and say how good it was or whatever. There's certainly some highlights there that are great, but I hope they're not the best moments in my career. I hope there's better ones to come and more of them to come. Um, and I hope that the club goes on to have, have many more as well. That There's certainly um, a, a unique element to the story because of the fact that I haven't played, I haven't played there, but I have worked there. It's the club. I grew up supporting it. I was a fan on the terraces, um, but I didn't become a fan like I wasn't a fan one day and then the manager the next there's like 15 to 20 years in between there of coaching and working and being prepared for that job when it comes around so um, I don't see myself uh, as a fan then I probably don't even see myself as a fan now I see myself as someone who will always have a real interest in the club and hope that the progress continues but um, I'm a professional in the job now and and um, as much as I really hope the club does well there's no question if I if I'm taking somebody else's team tomorrow against them, I want to win. <laughs> yeah, uh, good to hear that, I think, uh, before anyone has any doubts in the future. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewellery gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Looking back over, over your time at, at Cambridge before you were manager, when when was it during your progression through you know the academy jobs? Obviously went to South End for a period as well. When was it that you decided that this is what you wanted to do? Were you always convinced you wanted to be a manager or was it not until you had that first taste as a caretaker where you were like, you know what, I can do this. I think I dream of doing it always since I was a kid. Um, the actual reality of making the decision of wanting to do it, I don't think the decision was ever mine. It was always someone else's to give me a chance. Uh, I guess if you work somewhere long enough, there's always a chance that you're the guy left who just gets, <laughs> gets the opportunity. So I certainly, as I got academy manager under 18s, coach, started to work with the young professionals, got in and around Richard Money's team in, in the National League and the league to to start working in and around the first team set up. That, that's when I started to realise, yeah, this is, I'd love to work towards that. And then with different experiences, you know, I learned off some great people in, in Richard, in Sean Derry, in Joe Dunn, in Colin Calderwood, in Jez George, people that I worked with and under that you take so many lessons from and work out how, how, how will it look for me when my time comes and if my time comes. Uh, it actually came around a lot sooner than I, I thought it would. Um, I was assistant to Colin at the time. Uh, we were having a tough run. That's on all of us when that happens and, and the manager loses the job. And um, he left quite soon after signing a new contract. So I didn't actually think that that was going to be any time soon. And then I obviously became the caretaker and, and we did well in that period. And, and, and the rest is sort of history from there. I was... I took three games the very first time when, when Joe left before Colin arrived and um, that was a period where I loved it. It was the best two weeks education I could ever have, doing it for two weeks, knowing it wasn't going to be me and thinking to myself, I don't want it to either, I'm not ready for this. But the second time around, I was much better for that experience and I certainly fancied a crack at it when it came around at that point. And, and probably had I not get, got that opportunity, my time there would have probably ended because I was ready for something different and ready for either that role or 
mo moving on somewhere else. So that was quite a sliding doors moment for me, really. When that chance came along, I was desperate to desperate to do it. After your successful caretaker spell, you were effectively made first team, a permanent first team manager just before the COVID outbreak hit. And therefore, there was a period after you were appointed where you didn't manage a game until football restarted again. In hindsight, do you think that had an impact on the way you were able to effectively build a team that were capable of getting promoted out of out of League Two because you had the time to implement your philosophy to build a squad? Like obviously, at the time it would have been frustrating for you, but how do you reflect on that period? Probably two ways. I mean, we'd played seven games when I was interim and we'd got ourselves to a position where we were going to be fine in the league. We, we weren't going to be a relegated team that year. So I think the remaining 10 games, we were planning on right opportunity for some of the younger ones to see where they're at. I think that process would have almost carried on planning for next season, um, knowing where we were and we were OK. Um, but what, what it did do is, and it was six months from getting the job to taking the first game, um, that certainly gave us a really good opportunity to... Um, prepare the squad more more than anything and the one thing I'd say is it's a real good reflection really is we, we got recruited we recruited that squad early and they were ready to go from pretty much beginning of pre-season and we got to hit the ground running with that group of players and we worked really hard with the ones that we had in lockdown to keep busy and keep engaged with them so the development of that squad and even working with those players even it was remotely and on screens was was started really early and the board were great because they allowed us to sign players not even knowing when the season was going to start or if it had crowds but but certainly um, starting with the end in mind, what team do we want to build, which players can fit into that um, and signing players early is the dream ticket for a manager so you get the whole period and there can be difficulties when you can't do that or when players come in late and miss pre-season that can sometimes linger for a long period of time so we were able to hit the golden ticket really with that and probably enabled us to sign some players with the resources we had on contracts that we shouldn't have got them on because of the uncertainty that they didn't know who else was offering it and the money was dried up because no one knew what was coming. So um, that was certainly a period of time that I think really helped us. And it put in place the foundation of building a team, but also reconnecting a club. Um, and at the end of a season when no one was there, we were more connected with the community and the fans th than we had been for probably a decade or more, um, which is pretty pretty good going when, when no one was in the stadium. Let's talk about him then. Lionel Wessie, as he was known affectionately. <laughs> Wes Houlihan, surely one of the most mercurial talents to grace League Two ever. How did it come about, the opportunity to, to bring him in? I've seen you say that the, you know, the contract that he accepted was, was a bit of a joke given his, his, his ability. And you know, what was it like working with him? Because what, what was he, five years older than you at the time? Like it was, um, but what a player who played a massive part in that season. Yeah, firstly, the age bits never bothered me. I, I was 34 when I got the job, 38 now, having done four years. I, I mean, I, literally, because I started coaching when I was 16, I was probably always in the eyes of many too old, too young to do the job I was doing. So that, that's that's never really bothered me. And building relationships with people, I think, is not really down to age. I think it's just down to connection and relationships and, and things like that. So that, that side of it didn't really bother me. Um, I'd have been foolish not to use people like his experience in the game. So I lent on them lots and, and they were brilliant. And I have to say, like before I speak too much on Wes, that group of lads, um, amazing, amazing camaraderie. Um, my first time doing the job, they all had to buy into me as much as us as a club. 
um, and get behind something. And and they really did. And and they were they were outstanding in that sense. And there were so many important characters in that team um, and so many important players in that team. And obviously some got the headlines more than others for obvious reasons. Um, Wes, Wes being one of them, I mean, absolute superstar. I, I've never seen a player for Cambridge better than him, but obviously I'm younger compared to a lot of fans that have been around a long time. So they may have done, but they'd have been very good. Um, Unfortunately, our supporters didn't see him other than on a TV, which was devastating for Apart them. Apart from Max Rushton, who rented a flat in the Absolutely, corner. Absolutely, yeah. As, by the way, was was he, because he's a showman. He loved the crowd and wanted to play in front of people. But um, his, his enthusiasm for the game was was amazing. His technical ability was brilliant. He showed everybody what good looked like. And, and probably, he, look, he was a match winner for us. He got the best out of so many around him and we found a way of getting the best out of him as well. And I think he talks quite openly about really enjoying that period of time. But I was the lucky one. He was with us the previous pre-season with Colin, a uh, previous connection from Norwich. And um, he decided to go out to Australia at the time and it was a really good move for him and family and everything else. Um, but that time had ended and he, and he wanted to come back and we met and... Um, the only reason he came is because it was convenient. Let's not, he didn't have a burning desire to play for Cambridge United, but it was um, a convenient distance from home and at a time where it just all came together. And I was, uh, and we were the lucky recipients of that because he was a, he was an absolute superstar for us in, in, in that team. Um, and really importantly, if your superstars are the most humble ones and the hardest working ones, um, then you're on to a winner and and he was so um there was no way anybody else couldn't show humility and couldn't work because if he does you know he's winning all the running on day one of pre-season and so on and um, that just set the tone really for everybody else when you look at your business that summer uh, before the promotion you look at the players you brought in on a free transfer like Wes Hulan being one of them Joe Ironside in from Macclesfield Jack Ardell in from Carlisle Paul Digby in from Stevenage and then Paul Mullen who we'll talk about in a second as well from Chandler like these are players who are effectively being deemed surplus to requirements not good enough for teams around your level who are now pretty much to a man proven quality at, at league one level um, you know it looks like an amazing summer of recruitment. How did that work? Given, as you say, it was during that COVID summer where things were a bit different. Was it was it you leading the process? Was it you with the, with the sporting director? Can you talk us through how you managed to identify that group? Yeah, absolutely. Sporting director uh, Ben Strang led on a lot of the process. Um, Keith Burt was chief scout for us at the time. Myself, the three of us would spend hours on the phone together during that lockdown period. Um, but, but the really, I think the key bit is me saying, this is the team I want to build in terms of how we're going to play. These are the qualities we need within the players within those positions. And then we came up with the players that fitted that profile and the ones that we could get. Um, and in all of those cases, uh, what a story to get behind for all of us. Like I, I was the guy who was the cheap option who shouldn't have got the job and, and <laughs> how can he do this job versus all those players who were just like, well, they've just signed a load of players that have not achieved anything at their club but all of a sudden there's a synergy and a, and a consistency everybody's on the same page there it's our job to go and prove ourselves right I'm never one to prove people wrong prove ourselves right that we're good enough to go and do what we think we are um, and and get to work and crack on with it and and we did that and there was you know headline grabbers obviously were Wes and, and Moles they were incredible for us but Joe Ironside probably didn't get the headlines because of those two, but they'll both credit him for how well he did. Um, Paul Digby, like these guys are going on the pitch with broken 
chest bones and fractured cheekbones and like what are you in, doing in training Mark? just incredible <laughs> like just put themselves through it and absolute warriors for your team and then Kyle Noyle had a brilliant season for us also got an EFL team of the year that year um, and then the players that had been there for a long time like Greg Taylor Harrison Dunk Liam O'Neill that I had existing relationships with that needed to show everyone what we were and who we were and what we were about um all of those things needed to come off and, and come together and everybody played a really big part in it. So the recruitment of that team started early. We were signing players, I think, before a lot of others because there was such uncertainty around um, you know, players were on furlough and staff were on furlough. And, you know, I, I got offered the job, signed a contract, the best contract I've ever had. I'm not saying it was amazing, but it was the best contract <laughs> I've ever had. And I had 25% or 20% of it taken away on day one. So I ended up, I think, on less than I was earning anyway. So um, the furlough thing came around for everybody. So um, yeah, just a, just a really strange time. It will never be repeated, but getting started early with that squad and obviously having longer in the off-season to prepare for that really helped us. Paul Mullen then, um, a player who, as we said, was brought in on a one-year deal, uh, having been released from Tranmere, scored 32 league goals, breaking the League 2 record, breaking the Cambridge record for goals in a singular season. Now a uh, a star both in the EFL and the other side of the Atlantic as well. Um, an incredible season for him last season at Wrexham too. Were you surprised in terms of his, his goal tally, like a player who had barely broken into double figures in a, in a, in a season before that? I think when we when we looked for um, building the squad, we knew we needed to add goals. We needed people that could score goals in our team the way we were going to play. Um, Joe Ironside hadn't done that so much the year before. He'd scored a lot of penalties. Paul Mullin, the same. Um, but we thought if you put the magician with them um, and then you can also sign ones that are going to be in the areas we need them to be to score, we, we felt we could... Um, get players that score goals. I remember day one of pre-season, I was in the marquee because that's where we were changing. Um, Andy Dallas, Harvey Nibs, Paul Mullin, uh, Joe Ironside with a four in there. And I walked into them as I get the boots on and said, here they are then. How many goals are in this tent this season? And they looked around and uh, Moles went 40 easy. And I'm like, happy days, 40, 10 each, no problem. We didn't know he'd get nearly all of them himself and it ended up being more than that. But uh, there was an element of like knowing that we can, we can bring in players that will help us score goals. And he was absolutely brilliant for us. Um, he came in on loan at the previous season. I'd struck up a relationship with him where I thought I, I knew him well and got to know him quickly and thought I could get the best out of him. Um, he hadn't played in a front two very often for previous managers. He hadn't had runs of games for a while. Um, and if you get someone in a team doing what they do well, um, everybody understanding that, uh, feeling a million dollars, then hopefully they pay you back. And, and he just he just took off. And obviously, uh, I'm not surprised he did well for us, but you can never say you're going to become the record goal scorer in the golden boot. You'd never see that coming, but certainly was excellent for him. Um, and, his, and his aim in that season was, I'm going to come in for a year, I'm going to do what I do, and then see what comes of it and, and fair play to him it was very difficult for us to offer longer contracts at any point because of the pandemic but he's one we'd have liked to but in the end we were never fearful of all right we've only got this person for one year but we better make sure that while they're here they make a difference he certainly did were you ever close to being able to retain him for another season no, I don't think so. Um, I think that's been the case with a lot of the high achieving ones over the last few years. You know, that there is a there is a level to go to above in terms of salary and, and things like that. And that's understandable and try to bridge that gap year on year and making progress. Um, but the reality is when you get those really talented ones, you know, losing those is it can be um, difficult that that team um, 
whether it was him, whether it was Kyle Noyle, Jack Iredale, among others that I've mentioned, Sam Smith, Harvey Nibs, Demi Mitoff, Lloyd Jones, these players that have moved on and, and, and gone on to do well. Um, obviously, you'd, you'd love to keep them, but sometimes it just isn't possible and you have to move on quite quickly and um, accept that that's just the world that we live in, as frustrating as it is, and try to go through the the whole process again of can we find people as good or better that can come in and have a similar impact that's a really difficult task um and, and one to probably it's probably an impossible task to do that every year um but we've certainly tried really hard to do it against the the backdrop of a really competitive market where teams in league one and, and league two are, are able to pay big wages as well Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There must be a real affinity, even if it's only a year, between a, a manager winning his first promotion with um, a boyhood club and a player who has scored 32 goals <laughs> in a season. Obviously, you didn't begrudge him moving on, but was it quite difficult to see him move on and take, obviously, a, fi- a deal fi- financially made sense to him, but dropping, no, not going up a level, but dropping down a level in order to, to, to play his football for the season after? No, everyone can have an opinion on that. I, I don't. I don't judge anybody for anything like that. I mean, it's a very short career, and you and you've got to do what you think's right for yourselves and your family. He was always going to try and move back closer to home. Um, he found that really difficult the year when he was away from his young boy, and um, we really tried to help him with that. And I think he was very grateful for the way in which um, we managed him and, and helped him through those situations. So I have no no qualms with that whatsoever. Um, it looks like a pretty good move to me now yeah. as well. And, and no doubt that he was going to go and score goals and continue developing and, and growing. He's done incredible. Um, love him as a bloke. Brilliant for us. Um, brilliant with me. And also, you know, someone that will always stay in touch with, I think, because when you have success with a group of people and you are together every day um, in a, in a, the, competitiveness and intensity of a football season if you have success there's nothing that binds you together like that and and therefore there's a camaraderie that you never lose and I think alongside the backdrop of the year where that happened where we were all living such random lives it was like the film I Am Legend every day you'd walk out and you'd be the only person getting in your car to go to work and in a way that was such a privilege that we were able to still go and do our job and we were able to mix with each other. But it was so different. Managing in that period and getting through that period was so different and not how you would normally want to run things and, and work. But we had a we had a, a plan and a, and a pretty message, message amongst the team. Like, let, let's go and do what no one else can. Let's go and deal with whatever comes our way better than anybody. And, and that group of lads, I'm so grateful to them for how much they gave us and me because um, they made me look really good that year and, and I'm really <laughs> grateful to them for it. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant group of lads. He was a, he was an absolute diamond and um, he certainly goes down as a, as a record holder and a bit of a legend for such a short period in a club. He made a huge difference. And I think always we all have a responsibility, whatever club we're at, while we're there, we have to try and make it better um, than when we found it. And um, we, we certainly, a load of us did that in that period. How difficult was it not playing in front of fans? You know, you mentioned there that you're 
sad that Cambridge fans couldn't enjoy Wes Houlihan, but they couldn't enjoy the season that was that was so special. Was it hard you know, for you to be on the touchline in the, in the dugout? Was it hard to get the players up for it? Was was the football in any way different, where you didn't have the pressures of a of a fan base, you know, demanding certain um, well acting on certain impatience I guess in games yeah look it probably helped us and helped me certainly to take the season the first year I could stand 10 10 rows up in the stand watch it from a height shout from the stand (laughs) and everyone hear everything I say coach the game myself and Gary would be in the stand doing that like that made a big difference I think and and it certainly took away any of the sort of um negativity that can come now obviously you lose the upside of that and the momentum that can be gained by uh, a crowd being in the stadium and you can't say it was a good thing because it clubs really struggled people really struggled with the pandemic however in the situation and our job was make the most of the situation we spent pre-season talking about how we're going to create our own atmosphere how we're going to create our own noise how are we going to deal with the silence how are we going to manage games in this environment how are we going to be the team that copes better than anybody else um and, and in previous seasons, we'd had some tough times and some tough seasons and there was probably a little negativity around the place at the time. And to take that away, to take the weight of playing in front of people, that pressure away at the beginning, probably allowed us to just get started without any any fear whatsoever. We got off to a really good start and it snowballed from there. And actually, we were probably better off that, it ne- that, that people didn't come back. We actually were the club that went first to do some trial events. We played in front of fans twice, Colchester and, and Fulham in the trophy. We were toilet on both of those occasions so <laughs> I think what happened was players started convincing themselves oh, we're better without a crowd so in the end you're thinking well, maybe we don't want crowds to come back because it might actually derail us and that sounds ridiculous saying that because you know how important it is to play in front of supporters and that, that sounds that ridiculous now but like at the yeah. time when we didn't really know what was going yeah, on yeah no exactly and, and it definitely um, you know we, we made it work for us in the end and um, the scenes at the end of the season were, were fantastic. The following season was so different, but great that everybody was back and you realised what you were missing. But there's no doubt <clears throat> we made the most of the situation as it was. Now, we don't have time to go through the whole season, but we do have time to talk about the last couple of games. Fast forward to the penultimate game of the season, Harrogate, a big game on a Friday night. A victory would, would win you promotion. What happened next? Oh, wow. What a day. Um, we played on the Friday. Um, look, getting over the line's the hardest bit. We were there all year and, and we played them and we couldn't do it. We played Stevenage at home. We couldn't do it. It took to the last day of the season to do it. Um, we deserved to get promoted because we were up there all season, incredibly consistent. Um, but it's just the randomness of football, isn't it? That game was so random. Um, Harrogate had the FA Trophy final the following week because... Of the, it got cancelled the, the season before. before. Yeah. They changed their team. They had players playing that hadn't been playing, that may have been playing thinking, right, I want to try and get in the Wembley <laughs> team. It's just really random. We were late getting there. Um, it just threw us completely. So for, just, just for the listeners who can't remember, you, you you know, you went into it and you were 3-0 down after 20 minutes? Yeah, and, and like Wes Hulan was a joke that day. It was so good, but we just kept conceding goals every time they went down the other end and we should have won the game. As mad as it was, we still should have won the game, but we didn't. And then there's a tension and a nervousness about, are we going to throw this away, this unbelievable opportunity that we've got? So trying to get hold of that and take away that fear, but it's really natural to build up to that and realise how tough a task it is to get across the line at the end um, for a team that had real good composure and really good consistency in the main. Um, it just was one of them random games that we can look back now and laugh about. But actually, it was like a crazy, crazy night. And I was on Quest TV the next day. Um, 
I assume I was booked because everyone thought we'd get promoted that <laughs> night and, and, and it wasn't the case. It was a very, very so tough you, you shift. Lost, just, uh, you lost the game 5-4. We the lost 5-4 and the next day, actually, Walsall were playing Morecambe. If Walsall would have won, we'd have got promoted anyway. Um, You'd have been at the Quest and, Studio. And, and I was at the Quest Studio, <laughs> 24 games on the TVs. I'm going to be watching all of them. I'm glued to Walsall Morecambe. Um, Morecambe win the game, so it goes on to the next week. And... Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a long day and a tough shift to sit on the TV and look like a cardboard mannequin in the chair. But um, I, I gave it my best shot and, and got through the day. And then we had to get across the line over the next week. And you did uh, against Grimsby Town. What are your memories of, uh, of that game? Took an age for it to come about because we'd played on the Friday. So it was a long, long gap between the, the games. Um, and in the end, it was just, it didn't really matter how, what it looked like. We just had to find a way of doing it. We scored um, in the first half, which helped. And um, there was a real tension and a nervousness. And it was a horrible game. You know, Grimsby had um, had a tough season and were relegated. And it was one of them where we just had to go and, and get our job done. And, and the boys did well that day, you know, in the end to, to get through it. I mean, I remember saying to them at halftime, it was such a kick and rush game, really. And once we'd got in front, it was like, right, we just need to waste this game and see the time running. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, lads, like, we're going to have to take the ball. Someone's got to take the ball and get on it. And, you know, if we get a throw in, let, let's give ourselves one or two options and bounce back the throw and help us retain the ball. And um, once I'd said that, apparently the lads got together, they told me that night and said, no, ignore that, everything down the line. Really? <laughs> so there was such a tension about the game, right, just to get get through it. And we managed to do that. And and it's um, it's tough and it's difficult. You know, we had to make some big decisions going into that game. And I remember I left Hiram Boateng out. He was brilliant for us that season. Had a, uh, dislocated his shoulder midway through and we missed him for a period, but he did so, so well for us. I left him out. Um, in that game and, and played Liam O'Neill had a gut that certain things might work sometimes that's all it is not a, not a big decision he scored in the game Hiram was a great player for us in that season and played a big big part um, but they're the decisions that you have to make and sometimes you can't give the player a exact why I'm doing it but there's a feeling for it or you, you've got a certain trust in a certain player in a certain moment and um, that one worked for us at the, at the time you know that if it doesn't work you're getting absolutely slaughtered you know you're getting slaughtered when the team gets announced um, but what you live with quite quickly and get comfortable with in this job is you're only right if you win um, and you have to you have to make the decisions that you think are the right ones at the time. Do you know you didn't make a single substitution in that game? Did you just forget? You were three and a half, ten minutes ago, you thought this is done. I think there wasn't many players wanting to come on in that game. It was like, <laughs> let's get through it. Um, we were really comfortable in the game. It was like we got to a point where let's not make any, we don't need to change anything. We can just play this game out now and not need to change the rhythm of the game at all. So I think the players of the pitch were really comfortable, um, you know, and, and, and substitutions, you want to make an impact or a change. It was the last game of the season. You're not saving anyone's legs for the next game. It's like, like job done. Let's just play the clock and get, get through the game. So yeah, I remember that well. It was quite a conscious decision. People were saying, why don't we get so-and-so for a run? No, we don't need to do anything. We'll stay as we are. Yeah, and the two goals uh, in the second half, fittingly scored by Wes Houlihan and Paul Mullen. Um, what were the celebrations like? You know, it was obviously a, a funny time during COVID, of course, but like, you know, you have, as I said earlier, you've, you've lived every football fan's dream. You've been the manager taking your side up. So firstly, the, the celebration with the people that you did it with, the, the staff and the players, amazing amazing because it's just absolute carnage and because we weren't allowed to spend so much time indoors although that sort of went out the window that night um <laughs> the, the the celebrations on the pitch and <clears throat> the celebrations in the changing room were pretty immense and uniquely we, there, there's some amazing imagery from the club of standing on top of the turnstiles with a gathering of hundreds of fans outside 
<coughs> celebrating in, in, in that moment. It will just never happen again. It's so iconic. Um, so that was unique and, and really special, actually. That was, that was a great moment. Then spending time with the directors and the owners who have put so much money, time and effort into a tough season um, in a period that was really difficult for people to bring those moments of joy were, were great and, and to try to connect and show that celebration to people that were sat in their lounges watching it. That people We felt an unbelievable amount of support that year, which is such a strange thing to say, but it, but it certainly was from a period where you know, it, I don't think it will happen again. And the amount of people that have said how big the football was for them in their lives that year, I think you could roll that out across the country. I think that's why they got football going. It was like, people need something here. Um, so so let's give them football. And, and um, I, I felt like it made such a big, big difference. Um, and the celebrations throughout the evening were uh, were very enjoyable. <laughs> was, was there any frustration that you hadn't won the won the league title, or was it just a case of getting over the line for the? Uh, yeah, there was for me, and I still think about it quite often because I think it was there for us to do it, and that's annoying. Uh, and I'll probably be annoyed a bit about it forever um, <laughs> because it's just the way it is. There was a period where it was there for us; it was in our hands, and then it wasn't. Um, and obviously, when when we have the little wobble, just get in, just get there, just get there. Um, you know, to have the medal and to, to have the promotion on our CVs and in the club's history is fantastic. There's a little bit of me, I think, that would love it to be a champion's medal, but um, Michael Duff and his team deserved that. So um, fair play to them. But yeah, we, we were delighted to to get ourselves across the line and, and, and promoted. And um, if you'd have said at the start of the year that that's what we would do, I don't think many people would have bet on it. So um, we were delighted with that. Well, your first season in League One, was a pretty successful one. Some stupid EFL experts, so-called experts, predicted you to get relegated. Absolutely none of it <clears throat> finished in uh, in 14th, 14 points clear of the drop. You know, I guess you're never going to be as proud as winning a promotion, but to stay up and do so so comfortably in what was a completely different environment with some massive clubs and big budgets must have made you incredibly proud. Yeah, and a, and a season with supporters back in the ground, you know, mm. that, that's a quite a measurable difference as well. So we, we were really pleased with the season. We thought that we, um, like, like that not, don't want to hammer you boys too much. We obviously proved your predictions wrong. <laughs> However, like, let's oh, be honest, your no. predictions was only based off of some evidence of we haven't done it before. So like the fact that we and, were and basically- budgets as well. Like, yeah, you know. tipped to be bottom two or bottom by pretty much everybody just gives you something to go, okay, well, let's prove ourselves right that we're good enough to, to do better than That's that. That's why we did it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, like, so so I, I never really get stressed by the prediction, but it's all, it's all part of the fun, isn't it? Part of the banter between clubs so, and supporters. So I have no, no problem with that. It was probably- um, not, you weren't alone in predicting it for sure. So yeah, it, it was a it was a good season for us. We started okay. Um, actually, the first half of the year was never really comfortable. We were always okay. We got we had an amazing January. We had a tough November December, but an amazing January and three league wins on the bounce. I always think those back to back wins or three on the bounce can make a huge difference. Put us to a position where we'd opened up a good gap to the bottom four, but we were never in the bottom six that year. Uh, actually took over 60 games at the level for us to be in the bottom six, which is pretty good going, really. Um, so for, for, for us to to do that and, and have the season we had alongside some other highlights within the year, obviously made it a really successful one for us. But there was a real novelty about the year. Everyone's first or many players first at the level, mine at the level, supporters back in stadiums, some real giants in the league. It made for a really fun season um, and we, we tried to play it like that. We wanted to enjoy it. We wanted to be the underdog that was confident that we could um, and, 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 and we did that well. So we were really pleased that the momentum of the season promotion really rolled onto the next 
next season. And I think you see that quite often with, with clubs that get promoted. They can have that real bounce going into the next year and that, that can help you massively. What was it like for you, having had that promotion not in front of fans, to suddenly be you know, at the Abbey with, with fans back in, chanting your name? How did that feel? Yeah, most nervous I've ever been before a game. Um, the, the, the home game, incredible, incredible atmosphere at the stadium. Oxford. Mm. Um, incredible atmosphere in the stadium and um, it's just incredible um, to to be back in a full stadium we've we'd not really had it and I think that the it's always full when Oxford come around isn't it yeah <laughs> the anxiety <laughs> the nervousness that competitive edge it was amazing I, I, I walked around the pitch that day to applaud everybody to say basically thanks for being here thanks for looking after us and supporting us last year from a distance um, but I also think it was bigger than that I think that season just reminded people without being too deep how important it was to go to live football because you know what watching it at home was great but it's not a tv program it's to be loved and enjoyed live with other people with friends with family um and i think after the year that everyone had to go in stadiums and feel the emotion of it all was just pretty epic it was a bit of a promotion party that day whatever happened would have happened but we we got a half decent result we got a point out of the game and um it was certainly a, a solid start for us and an amazing occasion in the stadium there was speculation about your future uh, the season after with it being reported that you're close to agreeing to become rotherham manager um what can you tell us about that and you know do you have seeing that you know you're now an out-of-work manager who, who lost the job at cambridge a year or so after that do you have any regrets no, I'm, I'm absolutely not one for regrets. Um, if you're going to be a manager, there will be periods where you're out of work. That's just part of the territory, law of the jungle, really. So uh, I have no regrets with that whatsoever. Um, my job at Cambridge was always fairly long term to try and develop many things as well as a team. Um, and I'm really proud of doing that. And opportunities that have come my way over the last 10 years, really, since I'd, I'd been at the club um, in different roles were, were always things that I would... Um, listen to and, and, and think about but I was I was never really close to leaving Cambridge in, in any way there gets lots of discussions lots of rumours along the way but um, Cambridge was the club I'd really committed to I, I got my teeth into a project and certainly didn't want to move away from it um, knowing that I had the backing and, and stability to have tough times but come through them I think as a new manager if you know you've got support and you'll be given time to learn on the job that was really really powerful thing for me uh, and it played out that way you know that winter we had a really tough time but I was still in position so um, for me it was a, a really um, really sensible strategy to try to be Cambridge United's head coach as long as possible um, and and um, I obviously always hoped it might end on my terms rather than theirs, but that's the that's the game, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, we, we move on and get ready for the next thing. And last season, you saw your probably trickiest time as, as a head coach or manager where you went on a, or came to on a run from kind of the end of October through to March with just two league wins. How difficult was that? How difficult was it going into work, having had such a period of success, knowing that things were struggling, knowing you're under pressure? Yeah, brutal. Um, the under pressure bit, no, not, maybe not so much because it's impossible for external pressure to put more pressure on yourselves than you do. When you're, when you're a professional, you go in every day to try and build a team that can win and make people proud and, and be successful. Um, it's very hard for people to add to that. Obviously, it does in, in a funny way, but at the same time, like you, you, you live 
knowing that quite often your identity is judged by a result on a weekend and that's a bit mad um, and you have to try to get away from that but it's, it's, it's not easy. We've always tried to have an environment where it's not competition on Monday who's the most annoyed from Saturday. Um, crack on and get ready for the next game. And obviously the harder that is, we had, we had some runs of defeats in that season that were really tough um, either because we were just playing teams that in the end were better than us and we couldn't, couldn't match or compete with. Uh, games turned in a small instant or we just became really, really thin in the squad. And and obviously, I made some bad decisions in there as well. That that, that, that happens. Mistakes happen on the pitch. There could be so many reasons why those results or, or runs happen. Um, but, but So I'm certainly not immune from that criticism. But at the same time, I think what we found in, in certainly the last couple of seasons is after really, really good starts, we'd struggle to maintain that. Maybe because, as you said earlier, um, it, it sets a false precedent and it's hard to maintain that level. But secondly, probably the depth of squads is when injuries come around or when players just need to come out of the team to keep themselves on their toes. Um, if you haven't quite got the depth or the options of real quality to go on and replace them, it becomes difficult to make those changes. And you end up sometimes playing teams that are really low on confidence and, and trying to give them that certainty and that consistency and clarity is in, important. I think the fact that the club were really strong in, in their stance about me was, was helpful. I think that gave people a confidence that we can get through the period of time. But there's no question we were at times really, really poor and at times it was really difficult. Um, but at times we had very, very few options to pick from. We had some horrendous injuries throughout that period of time. And those things take their toll. When they come early and it's a long way to the transfer window, that's uh, that's difficult. What, what we were able to do was... Um, Fix, fix the squads in transfer windows a little bit and, and that's really helped us. But those long winters are, are difficult and you've got to try to get through them best you can. Um, and it's hard when you're the one that everyone's looking to for the confidence and the morale that you've got to be bouncing in and, and, and also demanding because you've got to try and find that balance. That's not an easy one to get right, but um, you, you try and make those decisions every Monday or every day to, to do the right thing. And finally, you know, we've, we've spoken through your period at the club. As you said, you were a fan and a massive fan before you, you were there, you were the manager. Would you like one day to go back there? Could you see it in your future to be Cambridge United manager again? Blimey, I don't know. I've got 30 years of work hopefully left in me. So who knows what would happen in the future? I, I don't I don't see that as an option really. But you, you can never say never somewhere down the line. That There's been stories in the past where people have done it and it's gone well. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't see that as a, as a, as something that's anytime soon. I'd be really surprised if it happened. But you never want to shoot anything down because thirty years is a long time. So hopefully, I'm good enough, lucky enough to to still be doing it in that period of time. Um, but we'll we'll see. And um, my affinity to the club will be whether I whether I ever work there or not. I'm not sure, but I'll always have a real interest in how the club doing. I'll, I'll be really willing people on that I know there and the club forever when I don't know people there because things change. And the best bit about it is in 30 years time when we look back, I think people will still talk about the era of the last few years and, and that is um, priceless because in small clubs, um, those eras don't come around that often. Yeah, no doubt about it. Even from a neutral's point of view, it's a fairy tale story and something that will live long in the memory. Thank you very much, Mark. Pleasure, thank you.